praise the Lord that, that he's still speaking. I really feel like he's going to continue to, to speak to us through, through his word. And uh, just so exciting to be in the Lord's presence together, you know, kind of anything can happen. And I do feel this, that we can actually leave here today knowing that the Lord has spoken to each one of us. I mean, the primary way the Lord speaks to us is through his word, through the Bible, the eternal Bible that um, never shifts, never changes, but there's always fresh and deep revelation we can draw from the word. And the Bible also says that when, they, um, when the people entered into the, the tabernacle, they came through one gate and then they exited out the other, other side. They came in through, I think, the west and had to exit out through the east. But the point being that we leave a different way to the way that we came in, uh, having had an encounter with the Lord. And so just be, be open you know, to, to hear what the Lord is saying. And including, like I said, including online as well, um, the Lord is there. And so um, I'm Mike Burrows. I'm on team at Open Doors. And, and Open Doors helps people follow Jesus uh, all over the world, no matter the cost. And so it's in the toughest places on earth for the gospel that we're there standing with and supporting, strengthening, and encouraging believers under persecution. I don't know if we've got a, a slide up there. Can we um, put a, a slide up if you, if you got that? Yes, that's what, what we do. We just um, serve believers under persecution. And, and I've had this um, amazing opportunity, really, for the last six years to, um, to, to serve the persecuted church by raising awareness, raising prayer support, raising financial support for believers under persecution. But I've also been able to serve the Church of New Zealand by sharing some of the, the lessons and some of the stories from the persecuted church. I mean, there's so much that we can learn from them. And I'm talking about Christians, and, and I think about the fact that New Zealand here, we have um, lockdowns in various forms. But I'll tell you this, that the, the church in many countries has been under lockdown for centuries you know, unable to, illegal to gather together, illegal to be a Christian, or very dangerous. You could lose your life for being a Christian in some of these nations. And I, I mean, this is, a, this is a family talk this morning. I'm just talking about our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is just our family here. And so, but these ones, you know, choosing to be a Christian could actually cost them their life. And so there's this, um, you know, for those who have, who have lived the entire Christian life in that kind of context, certainly there's something that we can learn from them. And so, uh, so the title of my message this morning is called The Cost, The Cost. And I want to read from Mark chapter 8 to begin with, and it's verse 35, so we'll put that up. And it says this, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. Man, I mean, this is, this is a powerful verse. It really does highlight to us the fact that, you know what, we're actually living for something bigger than ourselves. You know, our call and our journey and our walk with the Lord extends from now into eternity. And so sometimes we just want to be able to capture that perspective again, that eternal perspective, the, the perspective that, you know what, we're actually being born into a battle, that this is a, a battleground that we're on, and, but it's a battle that, um, you know, the weapons we fight with are, are not flesh and blood, but, um, but they do have power to pull down strongholds, but it is a, a battle of, of love. You know, God loved us. We love him. But anyway, we're going to get into that. So, um, so this is the verse, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but who, for whoever loses their life 
for me and the gospel will save it. We'll go to the, the next slide. I want to start with a, a story. And this is of um, Arav and Neela. So Arav, he was a, a Christian in India, uh, a pastor just starting to, to lead a church in India. Now, he was killed for his faith just last year in, in 2020. And so Arav, before he was killed, before he became a, a Christian, he was a, a part of an extremist group. And so because of the violent crimes that he committed, he ended up winding himself up in prison in India. But while he was in prison, he started to seek God. And who he found was Jesus. And so he became a Christian. And in fact, he became such a strong Christian that when he got out of prison, he started to influence his village and his region for Jesus. Now, before he was a Christian, when he was an extremist, everyone was actually okay with him being one of those guys, and they'll just leave him alone. He is happy to go off and do whatever those guys do. But when he became a Christian, his whole village started to turn against him. They would chase him out of his house, they would beat him, and they would chase him out, and his wife, Neela, and their four kids. And, uh, and so persecution started to intensify around his life. And some of the Open Doors team um, went and just uh, met him and just to pray and encourage him. And they said, um, you know, Arav, uh, you probably need to think about leaving here because it's just getting too dangerous for you while you're, while you're here. And he said, well, well look, if, if they kill me, um, I'm going to go and, and be with Jesus. And so, you know what, the Lord has called me here, so I'm, I'm going to stay here. And so last year, uh, the guys ended up catching up with him, uh, and they, they killed him. And in fact, it was the very same extremist group that he was a part of that ended up killing him last year. So the Open Doors team went to, to visit Neela. And so we wanted to just spend time with her and pray with her and encourage her and, and the kids. And, and so in the midst of the conversation and, and our meeting together, uh, again, uh, it was asked of her, hey, Neela, uh, aren't you going to consider leaving now because your husband's just been killed and, uh, and it's getting dangerous for you? And her response was this. She said, I will continue the work that my husband and I started if they want to kill me, they can come and kill me. I don't bother about being killed. I'm bothered about the souls that God has given us in this village. Man, I, you know, I'm not bothered about being killed anymore. You know, forget that. I'm, I'm just focused on Jesus. If they want to kill me, they can come and kill me. You know, what I'm really bothered about is the souls that God has given us in this village. And man, it just makes me think about this morning. You know, what are you and I bothered about? What are we bothered about this morning? And man, I just love the perspective of, of Neela. You know, the perspective of the persecuted church who live in this kind of environment where, where it is life and death, but they really know who they're living for. In fact, I do remember um, uh, a couple that moved from Iran to the States, and after three months, the, the wife said to the husband, I want to go back. And he said, why do you want to go back? Now we've got opportunities here. And she said, well, here my faith feels sleepy. I want to go back to where my faith feels alive again. And just a, an amazing insight. You know, there's so much that we can gain, so much we can learn from them. And so 
I think of Arif. You know, he gave his life for Jesus and for the gospel. The cost for Arif for being a Christian. I think of Neela, who today risks her life for Jesus and the gospel and, in fact, serving the very people that killed her husband. You know, the, the cost for Neela for, for being a Christian today. And, and Open Doors, we, we serve Christians and, and people like that. So we'll go to the, the next slide. And so at Open Doors, we just say to uh, believers under persecution, what do you need? How can we help you? And they'll say, well, look, can you get us Bibles? We've always been about getting Bibles into the hands of believers. We do discipleship and leadership training because the pastoral issues are, well, my family's trying to kill me because I'm a Christian. What, what do I do? And, man, I just think, you know, would you, would you feel like you've had a rough morning if we had to drive to church through rocks being thrown at us, through picket lines, you know, people um, against Christians coming to church together. Well, um, I've just met a, a pastor in New Zealand here who's from India, and, uh, and he now pastors a, a church in New Zealand here. And that's his background. That's just what he did. That's just what happened at church for him. He said if ever he got a threatening note um, the, the day before about not turning up to church tomorrow, he said he always knew it would be a big service, people would get saved, healed, delivered, set free. He would turn up early, get all the guys to put out more chairs, and sure enough, they'd have a big service and, and God would turn up. And so there's just this different perspective that, uh, that a lot of these Christians have in these environments when it comes to difficulty, hardship, persecution. You know, this really is where the church does rise up. And so at Open Doors, we, we do trauma counseling, we do help with orphans and widows, and we, and we just simply help the church to be the church in the toughest places on earth for the gospel. And so this morning, I do have a, um, a portion of scripture I want to share with you, and, it's, um, and I've read, read a bit of it already, but it's uh, from the gospel of Mark, in Mark chapter 8, and it's verses 34 to 38. And it says this, Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Man, what an encouraging piece of Scripture. How great is this? I mean, this Scripture actually shows us the pathway to life, the pathway to eternal life. And uh, it's verse 35, we'll go to the next slide, it says, whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. And how awesome is it that we can save our lives through Jesus? All we need to do is surrender to him, which means living with a, a passion and a priority and a pursuit of Jesus. It means living with an eternal perspective, freeing ourselves from the cares, concerns and worries of the world. And, you know, there is a, a lot to be worried about in the world at the moment. But sometimes I think that the biggest pandemic is actually fear. 
you know, that um, people are, are worried and, and fearful about so many things, but we can actually have a, a, a hope and an expectation and an anticipation for what God is going to do because the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn shining ever brighter till the full light of day, Proverbs 4.18. And so the Lord, we, in the Lord we have an eternal hope. And, uh, you know, when we think about fear, in fact, fear is agreeing with the devil, but faith is agreeing with heaven. And so really out of whatever the decisions it is that, that we need, need to make, let's make them out of faith rather than fear. It doesn't, you know, often doesn't matter which decision we make, but quite often it, it is. I mean, the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. And so what we want to do, we want to be doing in faith. And it is interesting when we hear the stories from the persecuted church, uh, quite often it seems like that there's actually less fear in the world of the persecuted church than there can be here. I guess, you know, over, over there they've sort of counted the cost already. They've learned to, to live with the, um, the pressures that they are under. And the, the Bible says, Matthew 6, don't worry about tomorrow because that's going to take care of itself. Just, you know, I'm going to give you the words to say today. And they have this ability to live in the moment, to live with Jesus in the moment. And so what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? And in other words, whatever you do in life, and you could do a whole bunch of things. You could even gain the whole world one way or another, but in the midst of it all, don't forfeit our soul. We need to make sure that we maintain our relationship with Jesus, who is the overseer of our souls. We need to stay in relationship with him and not let that relationship go for anything. So I do have a, another story that I want to share with you, and this is um, the story of Peter. So we'll go to the, the next slide. So Peter, Peter trudged on, trudged on through the desert, hoping that he would make it to the camp alive. The occasional tree, the odd shrub, patches of dry grass. He said that the, the, every so often there would be a gust of wind that would blow through, but it would offer little relief for him with the sun beating down on his head, Sweat dripping into his eyes, stinging his eyes. He'd had no food, no water for days, no compass. All he had was some vague directions of a, of a man, and he had only just met, but he was on his way to a camp. He said, Long forgotten songs floated into my mind, songs we sang when, in the years before the persecution started, when we worshipped freely and the church was strong. So Peter, he's from Eritrea. Eritrea is on the east of, of Africa. And he was in prison for his faith for, for six years. The police came and busted up the, the secret uh, Christian gathering that he was a part of. And during his imprisonment, he was, he was often moved he said the prisons were, were dirty, there would often be no food. He said if you did have food, well, that would make you sick. And so you had to choose whether to eat or, uh, and be sick or just go without food. He said they would beat us very much and, and for no reason at all. He said some had broken bones, broken hands, broken legs. And he said some died from the injuries, 
But he said, I, I think that um, some died because they, they simply lost hope. Once Peter was transferred to a cell that was so narrow that he could only lie down in, in the cell. And he didn't have any room to, to move. It was basically a, a box. And, and he was left in that cell for five months. When they pulled him out, he, uh, he was almost paralyzed. He could hardly walk. But then they transferred him into another cell that was pitch black just under the ground. And they left him there for a further six months. All of this because he's simply a, a Christian, one of our brothers in, in Christ. They eventually pulled him out of that. And, and he said that when he came out, he couldn't see. But he said, praise the Lord that my eyes slowly started to, to clear. And Peter was again offered a confession to sign, a, a document, just, um, just some words and a paper that, that if he had signed it, he, he was free to go. And this wasn't the first time he'd been offered this piece of paper. And, and the piece of paper simply said this, I will not meet other Christians and I will not talk about Jesus. Now, if he'd signed that, he was free to go. I'll not meet other Christians, I'll not talk about Jesus. Now, think about this. The confession did not say, I renounce my faith in Jesus Christ. What that was saying was, oh, look, we're okay now if you're a Christian, but just don't share your faith with anyone else. If you keep your faith to yourself, then we're okay with that. Man, consider that. Consider the fact that someone would go through that to really fulfill the, the Great Commission, you know, to, to share our faith, to reach out in love, to meet with other believers, to, to do what it is that, that Jesus has, has called us to do. But, but what he said was this. He, he, he said he refused to sign. He told them that he would not deny his faith because to him, living as a Christian is sharing your faith with others. He said, because if he did, it would mean that he would have wasted those six years that he had already suffered in prison. They would have all meant being for nothing if he actually signed that confession. And so they locked him up again. So in other words, he said, you know, I'd already spent six years suffering for Jesus. It's like I'm in too deep. I can't turn back now. I need to push through. And it makes me think to myself, you know, am I in too deep myself? You know, how many hours have I poured into the Word of God, reading the Bible, into prayer, the number of people I've shared my faith with, um, the amount of money I've sown into the kingdom of God, uh, the reputation I've built about, around being a Christian to the point where I'm in so deep that I can't give up now. You know, it just makes me think about those thoughts. You know, what if I'd been in prison for those six years? So Peter said, you know, I've been in prison so long. I've been beaten so many times. If I gave up now, it would all mean nothing. And I think of what the disciples said to Jesus. They, they said, well, look, we've given up everything to follow you. I mean, where are we going to go? We, we're just sticking with you, Jesus. We've, we've left everything behind. And I, and I think that's the kind of faith that the Lord wants us to have, to actually uh, somehow drop the cares and concerns and, and worries of the world 
And I mean, I'm, I'm often just thinking about the four soils, you know, and, um, you know, is the word of God um, being, being sowed on the, the good soil of our heart? And we just continue to grow no matter what the season. There's those that um, are sown on the rocks and they rise up quickly, but then wither and then others that get choked by the worries of life. And, and my prayer is just that we would have just this good soil and we just continue to follow Jesus. And you know what? And it is the power of the Holy Spirit that causes us and enables us to walk that daily walk and that daily journey with him. You know, Jesus Christ, he's the one that made the way for us to step into eternal life and salvation and the kingdom of light and the family of God. It's through Jesus that we have this connection with the Father, but it's actually through the Holy Spirit on that daily basis that empowers us to get to our end goal. You know, Jesus saved us so that we can get to the Father, but empowered by the Holy Spirit on that daily basis. He is the one that continues to encourage us day after day. And so one day after much prayer, Peter decided to escape. He'd been in prison six years, and, uh, and, he, and he really felt like now was the, the time uh, for him to escape. And so he decided that uh, night time was best, running under the cover of darkness. And so one evening, he was standing in line, and then he broke the line. He ran towards the perimeter, and he jumped the, uh, the perimeter, which was thorn bushes with big thorns. He, he sort of jumped through those and under a hail of gunfire and ran off into the night. None of the bullets hit him. And so he said that night he alternated between running and walking. And the next day, he saw a man sitting under a tree. We'll go to the, the next slide. And, and he said that... Um, he said that even though he was fearful, that he told the man that he had just escaped from prison and he, and he needed help. The man brought him into his house just for a, a short time, gave him some food. And, and as Peter was sharing with the Open Doors team his story, uh, he, he smiled and he said, um, he said, this is the first food, the first real food I've eaten in years. Imagine that. Imagine going years and years without eating real food. The man gave him shepherd's clothes to disguise him, gave him a little bit extra food, and then sent him on his way. He said, look, just across the border, there's a refugee camp. You know, you've got to walk through the desert and, uh, and pointed him in the right direction. So Peter set off. He finished the small amount of food that he had, and, but Peter trudged on, hoping to make it to the camp alive. Soon he ran out of food, ran out of water, and he, what he did was he, he ate leaves. He said it was bitter, but it enabled him to give him the strength to keep going. Man, the cost of being a Christian for, for Peter. It took Peter six days to reach it to the camp, and he walked day and night for over 200 kilometers. He said, if they had found me they would have hurt me very badly. So I prayed very hard. Uh, I don't know when you and I have prayed very hard uh, before recently, but being chased by these guys, man, pushes you to pray hard. So we'll go to the, the next slide. Um, so Peter, he made it to the camp, and he, and he looks back on his imprisonment. He, he says, look, I, I lost my freedom but I've also lost time. He said, I couldn't get 
skills and training. I don't know how to do office work. I can't even see myself getting married and having my own family. I'm almost 40 now, and I have to start from nothing. But he smiled and concluded, but I still have Jesus, and he is worth it all. I still have Jesus. No matter what else has happened, I've got Jesus, and he is worth it. So the cost for for Peter for for being a Christian. I do just want to share um, uh, of one more, just uh, another thought from another country. But every year what we do is we produce the World Watch list or the World Watch map. We can put that up. And today the worst place in the world you can be if you're a Christian believer in Jesus Christ is North Korea. Um, Afghanistan now is very close. We may see a, a swap next year between North Korea and Afghanistan. But if you're a Christian in Afghanistan at the moment, um, basically, you, if, as soon as you're found to be a Christian, you'll be, you'll be killed. Um, in North Korea, if you're found to be a Christian, you'll be thrown into a labor camp. But I do remember a quote from a North Korean believer who said, when I came to faith, I made a decision that one day I will die for Christ. Then he said, every believer in North Korea has made that decision. So I wonder how many of us today would be a a Christian here in New Zealand if it was the case that more likely than not we'll be killed for our faith before reaching old age. But that's the reality in North Korea. Sometimes it, it, it amazes me that you actually have to defy life to that extent that you know that you're going to be killed to step into relationship with with Jesus Christ and to find eternal life. They've got this this saying in North Korea, and they say that when three of us are gathered, when three Christians are gathered, one of us is a spy and will report us to the government. So, So you can't even gather with two other Christians, two dangerous Perhaps one other. I mean, there's parents that don't tell their kids that they're Christian um, because what if the, the kids say something at school by mistake and they come home and their parents have been taken to a labor camp? And so, you know, it's just such, a, just such an intense environment to be a Christian in North Korea. But, but there is something that has stirred me just of late when I've been thinking about North Korea, and, and that's this, that there are people who escape North Korea. Now, for a start, if you are going to do that, that's last resort. Because if you're caught escaping, you'll either be killed, thrown into a camp, or you're going to make it, make it out alive, but it really is last resort. So there's these people that escape North Korea, um, perhaps cross the, the river into China. And then once they're in China, some of them find Jesus. Some of them become Christians. And then some of those, at the call of God, feel compelled by the Lord to go back into North Korea to share Jesus with just one other person. Man, I mean, that's a, that's a one-way trip. And, and what's your life expectancy in that situation? Maybe a, a few days. You're crossing back into the country. And so as soon as you're seen, you'll be killed and, um, you know, not in a, in a pleasant way. I mean, this really is just the weightiness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, the, the cost for a North Korean being a Christian. 
And so considering all of these things, let, let me just read this verse again, Mark 8, 35. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. So what about us? You know, what, what is our response this morning to, to this? When we consider these verses from the Word, when we consider these stories from the persecuted church, well, it's really uh, an invitation. It's an invitation to us, an invitation into a, a higher perspective, a higher life calling, a, a life of obedience, that we are living for something greater than ourselves. It's coming to a realization in the words of Peter that I still have Jesus, and he is worth it all. So what cost is, is the Lord calling us to, to um, pay today? So we'll go to the, the next slide. Is it being bothered enough about souls, like Neela, building her church in the same place where her husband was killed? Would we be bothered enough today to forgive those who hurt us and pray that they would come to know Jesus. You know, this is the, the, the call, I, I guess, from Neela to, to us today. Well, being a Christian cost Peter five months lying down in a cell to the point where he could no longer walk. Well, we use the ability that we have to walk just five minutes down the road this week to show the love of Christ to, to someone who needs it. Being obedient to Jesus costs a North Korean believer a one-way trip back into North Korea to share the gospel with just one other person. Would we do whatever it takes to, to share the gospel with just one person at work or at school, wherever it might be this week, who, who doesn't know Jesus? And so the question is, what cost are, are we willing to pay today? So, so what is the challenge? What is the challenge for us today? That Those challenges are, are for us locally, and, and I do believe that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do these things. You know, in fact, we can simply live out our Christian lives, but in a way that's actually open and free to have those conversations when the opportunity comes. Because the Lord says that he will give us the, the words to say. I, I don't think we have to um, strive to, um, to try and make things happen. But I do believe that the Lord gives us opportunities, just countless opportunities as our, as our days go by to continue to uh, just multiply our talents, multiply what it is that the Lord puts in our hands. So one way that we can um, serve is by doing those three things, just sharing the love of Christ. And, but we can also have a, an impact globally as well. And uh, from here, we, we can make a difference for Christians like Neela in India and Peter and North Korean believers. And one thing that we can do, just one thing we can do to, to make a difference is being a, a monthly uh, giver to, to open doors. And, and I do want to thank the church here because already you're, you're a partner church with us and, and are um, helping Christians in these most dangerous places on earth. And so, so appreciate that. Um, but we call it subscribing to the survival of the persecuted church. You can put that slide up and we subscribe to different things. Uh, we might have um, uh, internet subscription, mobile phone, Netflix, Spotify, whatever it might be. Would you consider today perhaps matching a subscription that we have to subscribe to the survival of the persecuted church? 
And what we're doing is we're just building a community of um, believers who uh, will stand with the persecuted church just month in and month out. So uh, I've got a stand at the back there. We've got um, a sign-up form if you'd like to do that. Uh, if you're uh, online today, you can just go to the website and, and sign up online as well. Uh, over there, I've got our daily prayer guide that you can pray with us as well. But here's some of the things that, um, that giving does. $7 teaches a child about Jesus. Go to the next slide. $10 disciples a young person. $20 gets a Bible into the hands of a believer. $50 will feed a family for a month during COVID-19. And $100 helps to rebuild churches. And so we're just so um, thankful for, for those who, who are partnering with us to really minister into the, uh, the persecuted church and, and into our brothers and sisters who are suffering for their faith. We'll go to the, the last slide. Um, so what I'd love to do now is, is join together to, to pray. And, and actually, we do have our International Day of Prayer uh, for the persecuted church coming up on November the 7th. And so that's a time where the globe just focuses on the persecuted church to pray. It's on Sunday, November the 7th. But, but here today, we can pray. We can pray for them. And I'd love to pray for those North Korean believers in labor camps. I'd love to pray for Neela, who today is working in that hostile environment. And the amazing thing is, is that we can actually walk out these doors today knowing that we've made a difference somewhere around the earth through prayer. Because the Bible says that we need to pray, believing that what we have prayed has already happened. To, to pray in faith, to pray believing that we can make a difference through his name, the name of Jesus Christ that he has given us. So, um, so let's pray together. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I, I do thank you for, for the example of these Christians who we've been hearing about this morning. And we think of Neela right now, who is uh, serving you in this hostile environment, already suffered trauma, but continues to, to live out her faith courageously and boldly. And I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen her today. I pray that you will give her wisdom, understanding, insight, Lord God. May she be um, bold and strong in her faith. And I pray that signs and wonders and miracles would follow the preaching of the word today in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that as she ministers that your kingdom will be extended in that place and that people would come to know you in Jesus' name. Lord, we think of believers in these labor camps, these fifty to 70,000 uh, Christians in labor camps in North Korea, and we pray for them right now in Jesus' name, that they, would be, that they would be strong. Lord, that you would strengthen them by the power of your Spirit. Lord, we pray that, you would, uh, that they would know, even in this moment, that someone is praying for them. I pray that they would know they're not alone and that they have a, a father who loves them. And I pray, Lord, that you would just help them to, to remain strong in Jesus' name, strong to the end, that they would shine for you in that place. And I pray, Lord, that even as they shine for you, that the, the soldiers, the guards, that they'll be convicted in their hearts and in their spirits, Lord God, and that they would even come to know you, Lord, even as, as Saul became the apostle Paul, and, uh, and just turn from that lifestyle, just turn completely around. So, Lord God, we pray that salvation would come in Jesus' name into those camps. And Lord, for, for us, I pray that you would continue to um, just speak to us, Lord, and um, I pray that we would be able to multiply what it is that you've put into our hands. 
that we would be able to, to have an impact wherever we are, Lord God, just leading, um, being led by you, and just on that daily basis, hearing what it is that you're saying so that we can reach out and love and extend the kingdom of God where we are. So we give you praise, we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, uh, so thanks so much for the opportunity to, to share here today, and, and just really good to be able to, to really open up a window into our wider church family, what it means to be a Christian in some of these places. And so, you know, I pray that, that you'll be, um, your, your faith will be just challenged and inspired today uh, to, to live for Jesus. Put him number one. You know, I may have lost everything, but I still have Jesus, and he is worth it all. So thank you, worship team. It will be good just to, to worship, you know, and to focus back on Jesus. And um, thanks so much. Why don't give him another clapping offering for this morning? So, so right now we'll just get into worship. Um, like what he said, we'll just worship together and just pray for the persecuted church as well at this time. And um, the song is called Running to the Father. Um, it's such a special song as well. It's, 